I want to uh, mention something from last week that we had covered in our sermon. If you weren't with us last week, um, we talked about praising the Lord and what that does. And when we bring our praise to the Lord, how it's a weapon in our mouth and um, it brings the presence of God into our situation. And in all of that, one of the scriptures that we read, and there's something I wanted to just expound, not, not on praise, but on something that I read. In, um, in 2 Chronicles 20, where the king had, enemies had come up, and they were going to fight against Jehoshaphat, against Jerusalem, and he cries out to the Lord, he says, please help me. And then someone stands up and has a word from the Lord, a prophet, um, for the king and for all the people, and this is part of what he said. He said, you do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, I know when I read that last week, when I read position yourselves, it went like a wave through this room, and I saw a whole bunch of people go, yeah. Like, it, it grabbed something on the inside of you. And so I want to go back and just touch on that spot again. Position yourself. Well, what does that mean? When we have everything around us shaking and looking like it's crumbling and things looking like they might go really wrong, what does it mean to position yourself and to stand still? And what exactly would I position myself on? Right? The obvious answer is upon the Word, upon the truth. But what I want to bring to you, because sometimes when things crumble... It's a real unsettling feeling, especially when things that you thought were foundational, that suddenly they seem to be crumbling. And that can inspire fear. So obviously we're not going to allow fear in. What we are going to do is if you begin to have questions and you say, well, man, I don't know. I mean, I thought I believed this. It's not working out that way. What, What do I do? Here's what you do. Go back to what you know. What do you know? Well, I know God is good. I know God is kind. I know that He's for me. I know that He's made Himself available to me that I can come right into the throne room and talk to Him. You know, and just start going back to what do I know? You know, and instead of focusing on what you don't know or where your question is. And when you begin to look to position yourself upon what you know, you're finding firm footing. And stand still on that and then turn it into praise and thanksgiving for the things that you know. All right? And the Lord will direct you then how to pray and how to go forward and how to attack it. There is always, listen to me, there is always victory in store for you. Doesn't mean it doesn't come without a fight. But find that firm footing and go from there. All right? Is that that all right? And add on on to last week. Yes, please do. Here, let's use the mic so that it's on our recording. So, this week uh, I found out some information that could cause, I mean, most of you know that that God has called me to a a place of uh, not working for the moment and trusting Him for our finances. And just this week I had a conversation with somebody that uh, it looks like our costs are going to go up in January. And... I'm believing. I'm trusting in the Lord. He is my source. Uh, and later in the day, I felt a spirit of fear trying to come on me. And so I spoke to it, and I cast it out, and it left. And then it happened again. And I spoke to it and cast it out, and it left. And then it happened again. And I'm like, all right, Lord, what's going on? And what rose up in me 
was there's victory in the praise. So I'm actually sitting at Aiden's practice, watching the boys practice, and that, that's what rose up in my spirit. So I lifted my hands, and I just started praising the Lord. I didn't care who was looking at me or who, what was going on. I just started praising the Lord, and it left, and it hasn't been back. So there is, there victory, is victory in yeah. praising. And just to clarify, when you say that the Lord calls you not to work, that doesn't mean you're sitting at home idle. No, no okay. it doesn't. I just it wanted doesn't. to make sure everyone understood that. No, my um, waiting on the Lord is not sitting on my couch. <laughs> yeah, so I know that he has been active and serving in other places, so, uh, so good job. Thank you for sharing. All right, open your Bible with me to Second Chronicles, and we are going to begin in chapter 1 of Second Chronicles. <clears throat> and I don't know, this might be a series, it might just be um, one message and done for now. I think it's probably going to be a series, but I need to find, uh, to hear more clearly from the Lord on that. I know there's certainly a lot more here than what I'm going to get delivered tonight. Let's put it that way. And um, as you know, I'm not afraid to teach long series. And um, we recently had one that was 18 messages long, right? Healing is the will of God. And um, I was looking at our website today, and, and um, you know, I was going uh, the church website at all our sermons and the different series that are there, and I realized that, you know, I'm not the one who's preached the longest series, that title belongs to Apostle Dale. He has one where he preached 20 messages on this very subject that we're on, we're on tonight. And um, if you're interested, you can go back online and listen to it. It's actually 21 messages, um, but one of them I preached in the middle of it when you were traveling as part of the series. And um, it is called uh, The Wealth of Wisdom online. There's 21 messages in it, and it was back in 2011 and 12. So I was really encouraged when I saw I don't have the longest series, and, and so that put some wind in my sails to continue on. <laughs> but how many know that when the Lord wants to teach us something, it doesn't matter how long it takes or how short it takes, the important part is that we're listening with our ear, an ear to hear, because everyone has ears, but not everyone has an ear to hear. And so it's up to you and I to purpose in our heart to say, I'm going to be one of those that I catch it. Now, when the Lord is speaking, I hear what he's saying and go out encouraged, built up, changed, all the strengthened. You know, the word gives you strength. If you feel like, man, I need more strength in my life, get more into the word. All right. You cannot build muscle without taking protein. I mean, I'm saying like of some form or another, it doesn't need to be a synthetic protein, but whether it be meat or you need protein for your muscles to grow if you're going to be a bodybuilder. Well, in the same way, you have to feed your spiritual muscles with the Word of God if you want to grow and develop. And then there's other principles that are involved in that, but like I told Jen before the evening, I said I could preach three messages right now, and I'm about to get into one of those. So let's come back over into this one. And um, let's look in first, uh, Second Chronicles. Chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Solomon, son of David, strengthened his hold on his kingdom. The Lord his God was with him and highly exalted him. Then Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, and to the judges, and to every leader in all Israel, the heads of the families. <clears throat> 
Solomon and the whole assembly with him went to the high place that was in Gibeon because God's tent of meeting, which the Lord's servant Moses had made in the wilderness, was there. Now David had brought the ark of God from Kirith-Jerim to the place where he had set up for for it because he had pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. But he put the bronze altar which Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, had made in front of the Lord's tabernacle. Solomon and the assembly inquired of him, of God, there. Solomon offered sacrifices there in the Lord's presence. On the bronze altar, at the tent of meeting, he offered 1,000 burnt offerings on it. Now, this sounds like a lot because it is a lot, right? A thousand burnt offerings. I mean, just think of it this way and it'll give you some perspective, especially to Mike or to anyone else that likes to grill things and smoke things, right? I'm talking about meat. Tell you a funny story today. I had two gentlemen show up at my door, and um, at first I thought they were Jehovah Witnesses, and here they were from a neighboring church. And they were out sharing the love of Jesus with people. So we get to talk and we have fun and I pray for them and they go on their way in our subdivision. But before they, when, they, when I first opened the door, he asked me if I was a believer. And I said, yes, I am. And I said, in fact, I pastor a church. And he, I see him kind of stop and look at my shirt and pause. And, and I'm not thinking of why. I'm wearing a shirt that says, I would smoke that. And it has a picture of a cow and a chicken and a few other things on it. And I see him stop and look at my shirt, and he goes, like, I could see the, 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 the gears turning in his head. So when I say, talking to those people that like to smoke things, I'm talking about meat in particular. And when you think about doing a thousand grillings, that's quite an undertaking, Right. Because, I mean, it takes time. I'm, the sacrifices they were presenting to the Lord were on an altar involving fire, involving meat. It takes time. It's not just a one, two, three, and we're done, you know. So it was, it was quite an extensive undertaking. But I have a question for you. Is the Lord worth our best? Yes. Absolutely. He's worth our time. He's worth our best. He's worth our effort. And the good news is, is he likes barbecue too. <laughs> Verse 7. All right. That night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what should I give you? Notice that word ask. He's instructing him to ask. And this was in a dream. We, we know that um, the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Some of you have dreams. You know, when you have a dream, stop. If you wake up in the middle of the night or the next morning when it comes back to your remembrance, pray over it. Ask the Lord, what are you saying to me? You know, what is it that you, is there something that you're trying to get across to me? The Lord speaks to, to all of us in many different ways, but the Word promises that He's going to talk in dreams. And so be expecting the Lord to speak to you in a dream. Um, not all dreams are from the Lord, though, and you need to recognize that. Some dreams you need to take authority over and, and bind them and, and not allow the enemy to put those things in your head. <clears throat> In this case, God gives Solomon a dream. Verse 8, Solomon said to God, You have shown great faithful love to my father David, and you've made me king in his place. Lord God, let your promise to my father David come true, for you made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Now grant me wisdom and knowledge so that I may lead these people. For who can judge this great people of yours? Asking for wisdom and for knowledge. 
God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not requested riches, wealth, or glory, or for the life of those who hate you, and you have not even requested long life, but you have requested for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may judge my people over whom I made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are given to you. You see that? They're given. It's not something that's just yours by default. He asked, it was given. I will also give. See, there's, some, there's other things that accompany wisdom. Did you know there's even other things that, the other good things of the gospel? Yeah. The Word talks about good things that are attached to the gospel. Well, here, there was good things attached to the wisdom as well. He gives them wisdom. He gives them knowledge. I will also give you riches, wealth, and glory, such that it was not like this for the kings who were before you, nor will it be like this for those after you. So Solomon went from, to Jerusalem from the high place that was in Gibeon in front of the tent of meeting, and he reigned over Israel. So now let's jump back to 1 Kings. It's the same account that's there. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just want, in 1 Kings chapter 3, I want to read several verses to you. <clears throat> So the Lord shows up in the dream. He tells him, ask of me. And so in verse 10, I'm going to begin reading of chapter 3. Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, because you have requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, but you asked discernment for yourself to understand justice. I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart. Notice he doesn't say a wise and understanding head. See, wisdom from God has more to do with your heart than your brain. Wisdom from God, can, you can take someone that's stupid and the wisdom of God will make them smart. The wisdom of God in you can absolutely make all the difference. And it doesn't matter if you had a third grade education, an eighth grade, a twelfth grade, or whatever grade. Right? Or if you have doctorates and master's degrees and all kinds of things, don't confuse knowledge, natural knowledge, with wisdom. Knowing There's a lot of people that know a lot that are really stupid. The fool says in his heart there is no God. And I don't know, of, but in university, a lot of university teachers, they know as far as head knowledge, they know more than most other people. Yet they're also some of the stupider people because they're saying there's no God. So we have here, we have him, he, he asked for wisdom. And then along with this wisdom comes some other things. In verse 12, he said, I will therefore do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. So if you think you're as wise as, as Solomon, nope. But the thing is, is you have available to you, and we're going to talk about this later, the same wisdom that Solomon had available to him. In fact, Jesus said this at one point. He was standing there talking to them, and he said, you know what, the Queen of Sheba came to talk to Solomon, and she's going to stand up in her generation, and, 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 and she's going to condemn this generation, the one that Jesus was talking to. He said, because everyone came to listen to Solomon, but there's someone greater than Solomon here. He's speaking of himself, right? And so Jesus has been made wisdom for you and I, and, and we'll talk about that later. Let's go on reading here in verse 13. In addition, I will give you what you did not ask for. 
Did you know Scripture says that even more than you can ask or think, He will do for you? I'm so glad about that. I'm so glad that He favors us enough that He'll do things that we haven't even asked for. How many of you have had that happen to you? Like you, you could tell us a story about that happening to you. And I, I'll tell you one. I had several years ago, I had seen these, um, these Bible chart maps. and it's, it's like this whole rainbow-colored round chart. I'd see it advertised on Facebook. And I'd always see this and think, wow, that's really cool, you know, and I should get one of those. And, and then one day, several years ago, I was at Rocky Beach's house, and here he had one on his wall. I'm like, oh, good, I finally get to see one up close, and I go up to look at it, and man, that thing was overwhelmingly complicated. And so I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to get one of those because that's just too difficult. And um, a couple years go by, and I'm sitting at my desk in my office, and actually I come walking into my office to sit down, and I was suddenly had the desire to uh, get one of those maps and put it right up there on the wall. And I'm like, well, I, I actually said, why would I want that? I had actually looked at one, decided I didn't want it. And, but man, the desire was strong for one of those maps. And so I didn't ask the Lord for it because I wasn't 100% sure I wanted it. The desire was there, but I'd already decided earlier I didn't want it. So I was like, well, I should look it up again and, and look at it again. Maybe I was, I'm smarter now than I was back then when I looked at it last time. And by that time, you know, one of the kids come in and I'm interrupted, and so I don't look it up. Well, two days later, I am here at the, uh, the church, and, or no, it's before I come to the church, and Kevin Burroughs. He calls me and he says, hey, um, I, have, I have a Bible uh, map thing that I'd like to give to you. And um, would you, are you going to, um, can I bring it tonight to give to you? Yeah, sure. So uh, that evening at the, after the service is over, he comes in with this thing rolled all up. And, I, you know, I don't have any idea what this is. Some Bible map. Cool. I love maps, you know. And so he pulls it out and it's the exact map that I just had a desire for, that I'd never asked for, wasn't even sure I you know, wanted it for sure, right? And it's the thing that suddenly had been put in my heart. And I say all of that to say this. You know, if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll put the desires in your heart that you should have. That map on my wall has been such a blessing to me. I have spent hours standing, and it makes total sense to me now, Right? It just takes a little bit of time to understand what, how the thing works. And I've spent lots of time, and I, constantly I will be reading something in the Word, and I'll get up and look at the map to see about when this took place and what was happening in these other people groups right at that same time and things like that. And so I believe the Lord put that desire in my heart, but more than that, I didn't even ask for it, and He gave it to me. More than you can think or ask, the Lord will do those things for you. And I know that's a small, simple, um, not horribly significant, not life-altering story, but yet it's even in the simple little things that God cares and can do more than what we ask or think. So here he says, in addition, I will give you what you did not ask for in verse 13, both riches and honor, so that no man in any kingdom will be your equal during your entire lifetime. And if you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commandments, just as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Now, unfortunately, um, I believe Solomon, the scholars believe he died somewhere in his 50s, which isn't real long life. But we also know the story of Solomon and that he 
strayed from the Lord and there was a reason that his life was cut short. Let's look at, here if you're in 1 Kings um, with me, let's go over to chapter 4 and let's look at the result of his request for wisdom. He asked for it. The Lord told him to ask for it, so he asks for it. Let's look in verse 29 of chapter 4. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom, very great insight, and understanding as vast as the sand on the seashore. How would you like to be described that way? Your understanding is so big. I mean, it's like the sand on the seashore. Well, you can't count that. There's like no end to it. So he has somehow tapped right into the wisdom of God because that's, that's where that wisdom comes from. No man can get that on his own. He didn't have it before he asked. Now he asks and the Lord gives this to him. And what else happens? He says, Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East, greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone. And it lists a bunch of people that were apparently had a reputation for being wise. And it says his reputation extended to all the surrounding nations. Solomon composed 3,000 proverbs. So apparently we don't have them all. His songs numbered 1,005. So he was... He was skilled even in music writing. He described trees from the cedar in Lebanon to the hyssop growing out of the wall. In other words, he, he understood how those things worked, how they grew, how they respond to light and water. And he had wisdom that they just didn't have at that time. He also taught about animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. People came from everywhere, sent by every king on earth who had heard of his wisdom to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And it wasn't, well, it was Solomon's because God gave it to him, but it was the wisdom of God in Solomon. And again, in chapter 10, it just mentions it again in verse 23 and 24, um, talks about the result of this, how wise he was. It says, King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the world in riches and in wisdom. The whole world wanted an audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom that God had put in his heart. Once again, it's in his heart. It's not in his head, right? Your spirit, your born-again spirit on the inside of you is a fountain of living water, right? He lives on the inside of you. And from that fountain on the inside of you, from your heart, we might say, is where you have access to the wisdom of God. So a question for you all. This is a story of Solomon. This is great. This is nice. Who would like that here, though? Who would like more wisdom in your life? Let's see a show of hands. Is there anyone here that's wise enough already? Because maybe you should be up here. <laughs> All right, so everyone wants more wisdom. And everyone is, say, is understanding, right, the value of godly wisdom in our life and the change that it can make for a person. And, you know, all of us have been fools from time to time. All of us have done foolish things from time to time, done stupid things from time to time. I know I have, and I know some of you have, because I know the stories, right? And for the rest of you, I'm pretty sure they're there somewhere. <clears throat> you ever hear that saying, everything happens for a reason? And sometimes the reason is that you're stupid and make bad decisions? Yeah. <clears throat> See... In the word, in, in Proverbs in particular, it talks a lot about wisdom and the fool. The wise man and the foolish man. And it compares those two. And so, we don't want to be the foolish man. We want to 
be the wise man. It says this in Ecclesiastes 7, it says, Wisdom makes the wise man stronger. Then, are you ready for it? Makes a man, a wise man, stronger than ten rulers of a city. Ten rulers. Not ten men. Ten rulers, they have a lot of men at their disposal. It makes one man stronger than ten rulers. This is what wisdom will do for you. Godly wisdom. He also says in Ecclesiastes, wisdom is greater than strength. Wisdom is greater than weapons of war. How many know there's many wars that could have been avoided with a little bit of wisdom? Lives that would have been spared. In fact, this whole deal in Afghanistan. Stupidity gone to seed. You know, just a little bit of wisdom and there would be 13 um, of our people that were in the Marines and Army and Navy, I believe, would still be alive today. And not only that, you know, in 18 months, there wasn't, the way, if if my statistics are right, in 18 months, there wasn't a single death from a service member in Afghanistan. And then this week, there was 13. And if you've been paying any attention to the news, you see some of the horrible uh, things that happened there. There was a bunch of other um, U.S. citizens that died in that bomb, as well as almost 100 or more um, Afghani people. You know, their lives are precious too. And they were looking to uh, escape the situation. But my point is, is wisdom could have avoided all of that. Right? Wisdom can either save lives, but foolishness can cost a life. And in, in, in fact, difficult things can be made easy with just a little bit of God's wisdom. Things that are otherwise take a lot of strength, a lot of time, a lot of energy. In fact, in Ecclesiastes 10.10 in the NLT, it says it this way, using a dull axe requires great strength. Right? And it says, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. You know, the fool just grabs the axe and rushes out to the nearest tree and starts wailing away on the tree because daylight's burning and we've got to be busy, right? Come on, we've got to be moving. We've got to get going. Hurry up. Daylight's wasting. Grab the axe. Where the wise man sits down and sharpens, spends the time to sharpen that axe first. Because it's not going to take near the amount of strength. He'll go out and instead of wailing away on the wrong tree, he'll go out and find the right tree he's supposed to be chopping on, find the right place to begin swinging that axe at, and he's going to be at home with his heels up while the other guy's still out there wailing away on the wrong tree with a dull axe. See, you can work harder to make more money or you can work smarter. And there is a difference. And by smarter, I mean with godly wisdom. Right? And allowing Him to help you to be more effective. And this goes for not just finances. This goes for raising your children. Right? Running your business. Or whatever the situation is. Running your household. So do you think it's important for to the Lord that we have His wisdom? It's very important. In fact, it was so important to Him. Did you know that He wrote a book of His own wisdom and gave it to us. The book of Proverbs. I mean, He gave His wisdom to Solomon and had Solomon write it down. So if you've ever wondered, man, it'd just be really nice, go with me over to Proverbs chapter 1. It'd be really nice to just sit down with God and, and get some real wisdom from Him. Well, He actually wrote His wisdom down and gave it to us. So you should read Proverbs. 
Take time, read Proverbs. I like to read Proverbs at least once a year in, in my own personal uh, study time. Because there is wisdom to be gained from it. Let's read the first uh, couple of verses here. Start in verse 1 of chapter 1, Proverbs. Because it tells us what the purpose of the book of Proverbs is. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Here's the purpose. For gaining wisdom and being instructed. For understanding insightful sayings. For receiving wise instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity. For teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, or the word is simple. Knowledge and discretion to a young man. Young man in here, read Proverbs. It was given for you as a young man to gain knowledge and discretion. Verse 5, a wise man will listen. It means to hear intelligently with the intent of doing it. He will listen and increase his learning. And a discerning man will obtain guidance for understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Don't reject your mother's teaching. How many of you have mothers and fathers in here that are still alive? See? All right. It says your father's instruction. Listen to it. Don't reject your mother's teaching. That would mean you consider it. That would mean you examine it, right? He says, for... They will be a garland of grace on your head and a gold of chain gold chain around your neck. Do you guys understand what grace is, right? It's an undeserved gift that God gives to us. But in particular, here's what that gift does. It enables you to do the things you could not do on your own strength. That's what grace is. It's God's empowerment, God's helping you doing something that you cannot do in your own. And so wisdom, the book of Proverbs was given to you and I to be wisdom, to be understanding, to be insight, to be all these things to us, and it will bring grace to us. God's help to us is what he's saying. It will be God's help to your head. Well, how many of you need God's help in your head? I know I do, right? And um, I know that it, when, when I am trying to learn something, when I'm trying to teach something right now, I'm... I'm taking Turkish lessons again and on like Rosetta Stone and some softwares and things. And sometimes it's difficult. And in those moments when it's difficult, I begin to talk to myself. I learn easily and quickly. And God has given me a ready mind. And I can quickly grasp concepts and understand new words. And they flow easily off of my tongue even when I really butcher Luau, right? And, and you use your intentionally, this is the wisdom of God for you, because you can find these instructions that I'm telling you right now, you can find them in Proverbs. Use your tongue to create life, right? And create how it's going to be. You know, we've been, we've been coming through the summer, and there's been a lot of our people have experienced this sickness that was going around, you know, all kinds of nasty stuff. But I'm telling you, if you haven't got it, or if, if, if you got it already, start doing this if you haven't been. Start declaring that no sickness comes near my dwelling. Say it. Say it out loud. Speak it over your home. Say it over your family. And if it ever shows up in defiance to what you said, well, then you tell it where to go. You are the one in authority in your home, not that sickness. And so, again, all this can be found in Proverbs. 
if we'll just apply that wisdom that's given to us and walk, walk it out. Go over to um, chapter 4 of Proverbs. In verse 1, listen, my sons, to a father's discipline. Now, I just skipped over, and if we continue in this as a series, I'm sure we're going to come back to the places that I just skipped over, and we're going to examine those uh, about teachings on wisdom. But I want you to see something here in chapter 4. He says, listen, my sons, to a father's discipline, and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. For I am giving you good instruction." Don't abandon my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, Your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. So there is life in these instructions. There's life for you and I. But here's the thing. We won't know to hold on to them if we don't put them in. So we have to get into the Word and allow that to be wisdom inside of us. In fact, you know, in Proverbs 23, 23, I think it is, where it says, buy truth and do not sell it. And a lot of times we quote that and we stop right there and we're satisfied that, yes, we all want truth, we want truth, yay. But it actually goes on and lists three more things alongside truth that we're supposed to buy and not sell. And wisdom is the next one mentioned. Knowledge and understanding. Well, the thing is, is if... You pursue truth, truth will lead you into wisdom. Truth will lead you into understanding. Truth will lead you into knowledge. And continue on and on down that way. So do love truth, pursue truth, and it will lead you to wisdom. Let's keep looking here in verse 5. Here's a command to get wisdom. Everyone say, get wisdom. Say, I am getting wisdom. So he says, get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget or turn away from the words of my mouth. Don't abandon wisdom, and she will watch over you. Love her, and she will guard you. Do you know wisdom will guard you? Wisdom will protect you. You know, I was, a couple years ago, um, it was my first time going down to see Larry. I was spending the night... In a, in a city and, and I went to this hotel and I had been low on water all day and I could feel this de- dehydration headache coming on. Well, the hotels that we stay in over there are, are really cheap to our standards, but they're very nice hotels. And I've just been drinking the water out of the hotels because they're like first world hotels, right? And so um, I'm needing water and I'm out of water and I, you know, I keep thinking, well, I'll get water at the next place and the next place doesn't have it. And so now I've reached the point where I feel a headache coming on and I know that if I'll just drink a bunch of water, several cups of it, it will short circuit that thing and it, it'll end it. And so I'm thinking, oh, well, usually there's several bottles of water in the hotel room and, and you know, so I'll get those. I go up to the hotel room, there's no bottles of water, so I go over to the sink and grab a cup and um, fill it up and drank several cups of water. Well, in the middle of the night, man, I was sick. I had it coming out of, yeah. And um, I was sick. You know, that water I drank was not the right thing for me. It had something in it. It wasn't pure water. And, but here's the thing. Well, why didn't Psalms 91 work for me? You know, nothing will come near my dwelling. Nothing's going to harm me. How come, you know... No plague, no this, no that. 
Why doesn't Psalm 91 work for me? Well, Psalm 91 worked perfectly fine for me. The wisdom of God worked really well for me. Because as I walked over to the sink with the cup, I had the check, don't do this. And I said, you know, the Word of God says that whatever I receive with thanksgiving is sanctified. And I overrode the wisdom of God, which was Psalms 91 working for me, and thought I would overcome the wisdom that God was putting on the inside of me. He is leading by His Spirit with the Word. Now, I didn't think those things like that, but that's what was going on. That was the result. And so I quote the Word. I thank the Lord for the water, drank all the cups of water, and um, suffered. Yeah, <laughs> suffered. I learned an extremely valuable lesson. Don't override the check. When you have the check, stop right there. Is that a fear or is that the wisdom of God in me? And discern the difference and then walk accordingly. Right? Never making that mistake again. All right. Verse, uh, verse nine, uh, 6 we were reading. Don't abandon wisdom. She will watch over you. Love her and she will guard you. Wisdom is supreme. It means it's first in place, first in order, first in rank. It's the principal thing, one, one translation says. Wisdom is supreme. So get wisdom. And whatever else you get, or along with your getting, get understanding. Or we might say, buy and do not sell the truth, wisdom, instruction, and understanding. So get it. In, uh, in verse 8, cherish her and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. It's talking about wisdom. She will place a garland of grace on your head and will give you a crown of beauty. Here it is again, grace. God's ability helping you is what God's wisdom will do in you. You know, God's wisdom in me was trying to stop me from taking the drink of water. I'd been drinking all the hotel water on the whole trip and was fine. But this one time, the check was there, right? So pay attention to that on the inside. That's the wisdom of God helping you. You know, we have a responsibility in verse 5 and in verse 7 to get wisdom. We have a responsibility to ask for wisdom. In fact, in James chapter 1 and verse 5, famous verse, most of us could probably quote it. It says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Who gives to all generously without criticizing and it will be given to him. Notice it does not say that if any of you lack wisdom, just be content knowing that God already knows what you need and he'll make sure that you get it. It doesn't say that. It says if you need wisdom, here's what you are supposed to do. Ask. Don't expect His wisdom to be in you if you're not asking for it. That's part of the getting is ask. Jesus said it this way. Ask and you will receive. Right? Knock, it will be open. But it, the responsibility to ask, to pursue it, is on us. He has made it available to us, but we still have to take that first step. Peter could not walk on the water until he took the first step even though the invitation was there. He didn't walk on water until he got out of the boat. Right? And so in the same way for you and I, we have to ask. We have to take the first step in initiating and receiving wisdom. Wisdom or knowledge. Um, either Or understanding. Right? Um, 
I, I remember once, I've, I've said the story before, most of you probably remember it. I used to have a hardwood flooring company. Well, actually, at this point, I'd sold it and was working for uh, Pastor Jay, who had bought the company from me. And we were in Aspen, Colorado, and we'd done this Brazilian cherry floor, beautiful floor. It's real dark. We had, we had done this special procedure to the floor called water popping it, and then we'd put a stain on it. And what, what water popping is, you put a little bit of water damp, make the bare wood damp, and all the grain stands up, which makes so that it receives stain a lot better down into the pores of the wood. And so this was a common procedure, is what we did. We came back the next morning, and, and there was all these, like, white lines on the floor. And we'd never seen this before. You know, at that point, I'd been doing wood floors for 15 years, and I'd never seen this. And we brainstorm, and we exhaust all of our natural thinking ability trying to figure out what could have caused these white lines. I mean, we're in an ultra-expensive home. You know, I mean, it's a $20, $30 million home. And um, this is not a laughing matter, right? So we're trying, and if we cannot figure out how we've done this, what caused it, then who's to say it's not going to happen when we do it again? So it's important that we understand what caused this so that we don't do this again. And so we were gathered together, we talked about this until we just were at our wit's end. And I quoted this verse. I said, you know, the Lord says that if we lack wisdom, we should ask. And that he'll give it to us. And he, he, he'll give it to us without criticizing. What does that mean? It means that he's not going to say, yeah, well, last time I gave it to you, this is what you did with it. Right? He's not going to say that. He, he gives it to you liberally, generously, more than you need, without criticizing you how, you how you've used it in the past. And so I began to pray. I sat right down on the step that was there, and I began to pray, and I said, Lord, you said to ask for wisdom. So I'm asking you for wisdom and understanding on this. Show us, show me how this happened and so that we don't do this again. And then I began to thank the Lord for showing me. Now, I still didn't have any idea, right? I had no clue, but I'm thanking the Lord as though I already know. I stood up and I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing that to me. Thank you for revealing to me and giving me that wisdom. You're so nice and kind and great. And thank you, Lord. And all of just like that, I have this like flash in my spirit vision, mini, mini vision, where I see leather knee pads going across the floor. And so I had some knowledge, leather knee pads, and the Lord gave me wisdom immediately how to apply the knowledge right? How this happened. I, so I told one of the guys, his name was Kendall. I said, Kendall, go grab the leather knee pads you were wearing. And so he goes and gets the knee pads and I get them. And sure enough, there was a piece of grit burrowed into the leather that has, and I said, okay, I said, uh, get down on your floor at this white mark. And because he had done a certain sanding technique around the edges. I said, get down like you were sanding there right here at this spot, just like you did. And now back up. And so he backed up and his knee just perfectly made that arc right where, where, where the line was. And again and again, I mean, it was just obvious where, what had done this, right? So now the Lord had given us knowledge and wisdom to know how to not make this mistake again. So we got to fix things and, and it turned out all right. My point, what I want you to get a hold of in this is that ask. Ask. Thank Him for answering you. Believe that you receive. If I would have just continued to 
All right, Lord, what was it? What was it? What was it? What was it? I don't know that I ever would have gotten the answer. It was only once I had released my faith in thanking Him that He showed it to me, even though I didn't know it yet, believed that I had received it, that's when He gave it to me. So wisdom needs to be asked for. We have the responsibility to ask for it. So let me ask a question. Where does wisdom come from? It's a trick question. Where does wisdom come from? So I'm hearing a number of different things. All right, let's go over to James chapter 3. And you're all right, the answers I heard, but you're not solely right. James chapter 3, I told you it was a trick question. Let's look in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? He should show his works by good conduct with wisdom's gentleness. If you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag and lie in defiance of the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every kind of evil. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits without favoritism and hypocrisy. So we've been talking about God-given wisdom the whole evening, so that's why it's a trick question. When we say, where's wisdom come from? Everyone goes, oh God. No, not all wisdom. There's actually four different places, four, we should say, four uh, origins of wisdom. And we, we read them right here. One is earthly, it's, it's worldly, it's just natural wisdom. We might say it's common sense, right? but it's just a natural wisdom. It's not a God-given wisdom. Then the next one mentioned is sensual wisdom, or it's fleshly wisdom. It's self-centered wisdom. Wisdom that is, comes from the flesh. And then there's demonic or devilish wisdom. You know, there's devils that are pretty smart. I'm saying they have a lot of knowledge. They're not smart. They're fools. Well, actually, they believe in God. They're smarter than some of our university teachers <laughs> because they believe in God and tremble. They, have enough, they know enough to know that. But they've been around for a very long time. They have seen the human behavior for thousands of years. They are very aware of the thing that can cause you to trip up or the things that humans struggle with. Right? This has not been their first lap around the earth. They've been around for a long time. And so they have a lot of knowledge that they are applying to work against you, the kingdom of God. Because right? they hate God. Well, that's demonic and devilish wisdom. Have you ever wondered, as a, as a pastor you might, or as a public speaker or minister... Um, we're probably more prone to this, but most of you have probably experienced something along these lines before. Um, where, you know, on the day where it's just like the completely wrong day for it is when someone will come along and give a criticism or be harsh with you or just say all the things that are like, oh, man, really? I mean, really, today of all, I mean, how could they know that today is the day that's really going to make a mark? They don't know, right? It was just wisdom that popped in their head that they spoke out. Not the wisdom of God, but demonically inspired wisdom. Because we have watchers. People that are watching, not people. Spirits 
beings, demons, devils, fallen angels that are watching you. And they see what you're struggling with, but they can't read your mind. The only thing they can do is watch what's going on and hear what comes out of your mouth. So make sure you're saying the right thing that are going to actually bring the angels to your help and your protection and bring the deliverance to you rather than saying things that are going to be encouraging the wrong crowd. And then there is the other wisdom, the one that we're interested in, wisdom from above, wisdom from God. And it gives us the list of things that that does. You know, Psalms 51.6 says it this way, Indeed, you are pleased with truth in the innermost person, and you will teach me wisdom in my innermost part. The Lord can teach you what you cannot otherwise know. He can lead you into what you otherwise could never do or accomplish, and it's all in His wisdom. So that answers the question, where's wisdom come from? So there's four realms that it comes from. Or we could say, no, three realms. There's the natural realm, earthly realm, there is the fleshly realm, and there's the spiritual realm. But in that spiritual realm are two worlds entirely, right? Two different places, up and down. So let's ask the next question. What is wisdom? Well, the opposite of a wise man we mentioned earlier is a foolish man. And in Proverbs, it contrasts the two many, many times. Jesus even taught in contrast to the wise man and the foolish man. And fool in the Proverbs and in, in the New Testament as well, um, it means, excuse me, stupid, silly, dull, heedless, unaware, clueless, lack of foresight. In other words, always surprised. Everything catches them by surprise. You know, I said earlier that wisdom will guard you. I didn't say it. I read the word said it. Wisdom will guard you. Wisdom will protect you. Well, in Proverbs it says, or maybe it's in Ecclesiastes, the wise man sees danger coming and hides himself in advance. He, he sees it coming. He's not surprised by it. In fact, in the Greek, the, our word moron comes from the word that was used as fool in the Greek, moros is where we get our word moron from. So a wise man is completely the opposite of all those things. He's aware. He foresees danger. He has foresight. Good into the good and the bad. And if you look up the word wisdom in Proverbs, in the Old Testament, the definition is really short and really simple. Are you ready for it? A lot of people have made wisdom mean all kinds of things, but here's what it actually means. Skillful. Skillful. How skillful are you? In fact, I'll rephrase it this way. Using knowledge skillfully is godly wisdom. Wisdom means skillful. In fact, in, uh, in Exodus 35, I'm going to turn there and read it to you. Exodus 35, they're building the tabernacle. And... In verse 30, Moses then said to the Israelites, Look, the Lord has appointed by name Beziel, son of Uri, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with God's Spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every kind of craft. This word wisdom means skillful. He's filled him with skillfulness, with wisdom, 
understanding and ability in every kind of craft. Here's why. To design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze and to cut gemstones for mounting and to carve wood for work in every kind of artistic craft. He has also given both him and Aholiab, son of Ashimach of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. So not only did they have the wisdom to do it, they had the wisdom to know how to instruct to do it. So teachers in here, there's hope for us. We can ask the Lord to give us wisdom on how to teach it. And He will absolutely do that. He goes on and he says, um, verse 35, He has filled them with skill, it's the word wisdom, to do all the work of a gem cutter, a designer, embroiderer in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and a weaver. They can do every kind of craft and design artistic designs. Beziel and Aholiab and all the skilled people, it's the wise people, are to work based on everything the Lord has commanded. The Lord has given them wisdom and understanding to know how to do all the work of constructing the sanctuary. So they had the wisdom of God to do all that the Lord had commanded. If you want the wisdom of God to flow in you, do what the Lord's telling you to do. You will tap into a vein that is like, whoa, where's that coming from? Right? I, I'm always amazed as a teacher, preacher, I'm always amazed that when I get up into the pulpit and I say things that I didn't study that, I, the Lord just, as I stepped out, right, and step into the vein of what the Lord is, is doing, and I've asked Him for wisdom and all these things, but then suddenly things start coming out that I didn't study, I didn't prepare, and sometimes I wonder, where are we going with this, Lord? And then you write, and later I go home and I take notes, right? Add it into my note collection. But my point is, is that if you will press into what the Lord is calling you to do, there is the place where you're going to have success, you're going to have wisdom, you're going to have the anointing and help of God to accomplish what you're supposed to be accomplishing. How many would testify to this in your life? You've experienced that. You know, again, um, John, you'll like this, and, and worship team, you'll like this. In, in 1 Chronicles 28-21 is where I'm reading just one verse. So here are the divisions of the priests and the Levites for all the service of God's house. So they're the, the singers, the offering takers, the sacrifice lighters, the, the whole bit, right? The floor sweepers, that's what the Levites did. They did all of it. So for them, it says, every willing man of any skill or any wisdom will be at your disposal for the work and the leaders and all the people that are at your every command. You know, the Lord will give you wisdom, skill, to be able to do the works of the Levite, whether it's be down uh, as a greeter at the door, or maybe it's uh, the cleaner, or maybe it's on the worship team, or on and on and on, right? All of these positions of service. Now, I want to move into, I've asked several questions, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a statement now. Wisdom is a spirit. It's a being. It's not just an untangible idea. No, wisdom is a spirit. In fact, we're going to look at Scripture for this. Go over to Isaiah chapter 11. You know, in Revelations it talks about the seven spirits of God. It mentions that several times. Well, here in Isaiah 11, it tells us what those seven spirits are. I'll begin reading in verse 1. It says, Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. And it's talking about Jesus. 
It says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So there's one spirit. A spirit of wisdom, number two. It's the word skillful. Spirit of understanding, three. A spirit of counsel, four. A spirit of strength or power, that's five. A spirit of knowledge, six. And a spirit of the fear of the Lord, seven. Seven spirits listed here. Spirits of the Lord. Verse 3 says, His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. Speaking of Jesus, He delighted in the reverence of the Lord. So here we see spirits of God. So we, there's the Spirit of God. We, call, we, say, we call Him the Holy Spirit. We say the Spirit of Christ. That's the, the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit of God. But there is also then a Spirit of Wisdom. You know, in Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear. That's a different camp. I haven't given you that spirit, but rather one of power, of love, and of a sound mind or sound judgment. That's wisdom. Wisdom in operation. So wisdom being a spirit. And now if you'll look in Ephesians 1, turn to this one if you would. Ephesians 1, verse 17 Says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul is writing this to the church at Ephesus, and he's praying this over the people at Ephesus. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom. A spirit of wisdom and, that's not all, of revelation in the knowledge of Him. I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the glorious riches of His inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His vast strength. Well, wisdom, revelation of God's goodness, and a mind that can perceive these things all come, they're all divinely given by the Lord. And let's back up. What did we already establish? It's our responsibility to ask. To ask. Paul is asking on their behalf. Good news. You can ask on other people's behalf. And as parents, this should make you really excited. You can pray wisdom for your children. You can pray understanding to come to them. Enlightenment to come to them. And we can pray it for each other. Paul was praying for brothers and sisters in Christ. So you and I can pray for each other that way. That God give them a spirit of wisdom. A spirit of understanding. A spirit of knowledge. Now here's the great part. Go over to 1 Corinthians. You're there in Ephesians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. See, Solomon did all these sacrifices and I guess it really pleased the Lord because the Lord showed up in a dream that night and said, hey, ask me, what do you want? And so he says, I want wisdom. So the Lord gives him wisdom. Well, in advance for you and I, the Lord has already prepared wisdom for us. So when we ask for it, we are asking legally upon legal grounds, we have the right to ask for wisdom from God as a believer. And I'll show you why. Let's look at verse 22 in chapter 1 of Corinthians. He's talking about the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. Now the wisdom of the world is stupidity in the, in, compared to God's wisdom. It just doesn't compare. It'd be kind of like this. You take a three-year-old's wisdom and an adult who's lived some life's wisdom. Right? There's just no comparison. That three-year-old can ask questions that you know you cannot explain to them because they don't have the intellect to understand it. 
They don't have the vocabulary or, or understanding to, to understand what you're telling them. You know, a three-year-old could ask you, you know, how does a tree grow? How does an engine work? How does, you know, on and on and on. How does the elevator work? And you could explain it to him in detail in a way that would make an engineer proud of you. And that little guy's not going to understand any of it, right? And so this is how our wisdom, natural wisdom, earthly wisdom, is in comparison to divine God-given wisdom. There's, there's no competition between the two. Well, here in verse 22, it says the Jews ask for signs. The Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. You see that? To those who are called, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. Because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen the world's foolish things to shame the wise, and God has chosen the world's weak things to shame the strong. God has chosen the world's insignificant and despised things, the things viewed as nothing, so He might bring to nothing the things that are viewed as something, so that no one can boast in His presence. Bottom line is, the best man can do is foolishness compared to God's wisdom. All right, now, verse 30 is what I was wanting to work towards. But from Him, you are in Christ Jesus. Someone say, I am, I am. In, Christ in Christ Jesus. Did Jesus already go to the cross and take, was He resurrected and did He take His blood to the mercy seat on you and I's behalf? Yes. yes. Everything Jesus set out to do for His people, the future people that would be His church, you and I, has already been done. He is not doing anything new. It's already all been established. It's all been given to us. So right here, we are in Christ Jesus. He says, who for us, Jesus for us, became wisdom from God as well as righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Well, we understand that. We understand that Jesus was made redemption for us. We understand that he was, we took His righteousness on. But did you know that the one that's greater than Solomon, you also took His wisdom on, is available to you? Just like the righteousness of God, the redemption, the salvation of God is available to you, the divine knowing what to do is available to you. There is no circumstance, past, present, or future, that can come along that the Lord doesn't know what to do about. Now, I like the one story that Apostle Dale says. He, you know, he was in a pickle with something. I don't remember the situation. And he's asking the Lord what he would do about it. And the Lord said, well, first of all, I wouldn't be in those shoes. Right? So sometimes the Lord will tell us that, look, he has to go back and show us where we went wrong, right? So that we can correct it and not do it again. But he will absolutely, any problem, any solution that you could ever come against, God's wisdom is available to help you walk through it and come out of it in victory. The spirit of wisdom has been made available to every believer through Christ. Amen. Through Christ. In fact, Colossians 2, 3, you don't need to turn there, but listen to this. It says, in Him, this is the Messiah, in the Messiah are stored all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus are stored all the treasures of wisdom. That's not one left out. 
All the treasures of knowledge, anything you could possibly ever need to know is in Him. All things have been given to us that pertain to life and godliness, Scripture says. Well, that includes wisdom. That includes having the knowledge, knowing what to do. Worship team, you can come. I'm just going to recap very quickly for you. Remind you what we've learned. Have you, have you, has your hunger, your desire for the wisdom of God grown tonight? Yeah. Yes. We need to desire it. Because if we don't desire it, we're not going to ask for it. All right? So we need to desire it. And wisdom means skillful. And we can become skillful in whatever we put our hand to do. Whatever we put our mind to do. And we recognize that not all wisdom is created equal. Right? There's earthly wisdom. There's fleshly, selfish wisdom. There's demonic wisdom. But then there is godly wisdom. And we see that wisdom is a spirit being. And just like the Holy Spirit, you can invite the Holy Spirit to come in and fill you and overwhelm you. Well, part of what comes with Him is wisdom. So put your faith out there for it. Wisdom to fill me and ask for it. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, and we're going to do that right now, he should ask God who gives it generously to all without criticizing. So Father, I thank you right now that you are the God of all wisdom, that all treasures of wisdom are in Christ. And Lord, tonight together we are in Christ. And I ask you, Father, for an increase and outpouring of wisdom into us. I know you've made it available already, poured it out, so I'll ask it differently, Lord. I'm asking you to help us receive it. Help us receive your wisdom. Help us to grow in understanding and grow in the knowledge of how you work, how your principles work, how we should do things. Lord, I thank you for this. I thank you that you even give us dreams that cause us to grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. I thank you, Lord, that every problem we come up against, that your wisdom is already prepared in advance to meet that problem. So reveal it to us. I ask you to show us. Give us financial wisdom. How to overcome the problems that we face. Give us wisdom to know how to help our bodies heal. And to come out of situations they've been in. Father, I ask you to give us wisdom on how to bring your, um, your restoration to relationships. How to bring people into a position to hear you. Give us this wisdom, Lord. I thank you for it. Now let's just thank him. Let's do that. Thank him for wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for showing us how to witness accurately and properly. Thank you, Lord, for giving us eyes to see your wisdom, ears to hear your wisdom. Thank you for giving us witty ideas in our finances and how to grow and be the head and not the tail. Thank you, Lord, that you give wisdom on how to teach, how to instruct our children, how to raise them up to be godly influences in the world like you've designed them to be. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you that I know all things that I need to know. I thank you, Lord, that I have your divine wisdom flowing in me for every problem I come up against and every solution is already within me in your spirit. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it. And amen. Say, I am. I am. Full of wisdom. Because His Spirit resides in me. And His Spirit lacks no wisdom. Therefore, I lack no wisdom. His wisdom is in me now. Hallelujah.
Wednesday morning at prayer right here, the Lord gave us a word. And I felt he wanted me to share it with all of you. It came from Philippians 4, verse 6 through 8, that says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to the Lord. Ask. And with thanksgiving, thankful heart, his peace that passes all understanding will garnish and around your mind and your heart through Christ Jesus. And then he said, and how many of you know that Jesus knows how to take care of his church? He knows how to take care of you because you are his church. He said, I have placed you in the eye of the storm. And surely there is a storm out there. But he said, very specifically, I have placed you in the eye of the storm. My body in my hand in the eye of the storm and he said there is my peace now we know jesus is the prince of peace that peace that passes all understanding as the world is in a fury and spinning jesus said my body my people i have placed them in the eye so take your peace take your rest and position yourself in that peace that passes all understanding. Father, we thank you for speaking to us. We thank you, Lord, for leading us. We thank you for directing your church, that your eye is on the church and we are in your eye. Father, I thank you that you have positioned us for such a time as this, that you have put your body in the earth to bring heaven to earth. Lord, I thank you that you didn't just set us here and leave us and abandon us, but Father, that you, as a good Father, have put us here to establish light, to shine as brightly as anything's ever shown. And Lord, we lift you up and exalt you. We glorify you, Jesus. We glorify you. Let's just say that. I glorify you, Lord. I give you all glory and all praise, and I exalt you. As the King of Kings, as my Lord, to do unto me as pleaseth you. You know, so much of the body of Christ is more concerned about making it to heaven. But that's not where the Lord's concern is, is getting people into heaven. He's trying to get heaven into them. He's put His body in the earth. His kingdom is at hand. It's not some future far away day after we die or when He returns to the earth. It's now. His kingdom now is in the hearts of you and I. And he is, His desire is to get heaven through us to those around us. His, we're, to, we're to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're the conduit. We're the pipeline. 
that he has into this planet, into the systems that are in place, into the corruption, into the eye of the storm. He has his people right where he wants them. Some of you are being positioned. You're being positioned and prepared for what is to come. Some of it's not going to come for some time, maybe even a couple years. Some of it will begin very soon. But I am positioning you for what is to come because you are my answer in the earth and I have prepared you for this moment. So do not be afraid. Do not be shaken. Do not be dismayed. I have answered the end problem already. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for your word and I thank you for your truth. And we position ourselves upon it. We recognize, Lord, that you are the giver of truth, that you're the giver of victory, that you've already established it and we fight from that place of victory. And we bless you for it. Even maybe tonight, some of you have felt a stirring inside of you. Um, maybe in, in, in things that have been there before, maybe it's a new thing. Maybe it's, it's new for you, but it probably still feels very familiar because the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of you has known about this call, this gifting that He has prepared for you to walk in. So as you... As you are aware of that on the inside, I'm going to ask you very specifically to pray and ask the Lord to give you the understanding that you need to answer the call that He has on your life. And this is, this is for some individuals in this house. Um, some of you are, <laughs> I like that, more called than you realize. <laughs> You're more called than you realize. All right, Evan, you're one of them. All right? You're more, there's a call of God in your life. There's a plan. There's a purpose. There's a divine thing that he wants to do through you. All right? Maybe you've been aware of it. Maybe you haven't. But it's, it's, it's in two years' time. Lord, I hear him say it. In two years' time, you will see very, very clearly what that is. Does that bear witness with you at all? Is your spirit going, yeah, on the inside? Okay. I don't want to misspeak. If, if your spirit's going, oh, no, well, then we need to stop right there and we go, okay. Then I misspoke, right? But if his spirit agrees with it, then we know the Lord's speaking to us. Apostle Dale, do you have something to speak out, release, declare, say? No. You know, the thing that's so great about Jesus' mom, Mary, the Lord would tell her, quite frankly, unbelievable things. 
And she would come to know things that are like, yeah, right. Pregnant, never knew a man. You know, that's not even possible, right? Not in the natural realm. And she would put them in her heart. And she would store them up. And allow the Lord to work them in His time. So let's do, can we do that tonight? Store up in our heart the Word of the Lord. That it'll be incubated and it'll be given birth to at the right time. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are so good, so patient, so kind, so giving, just so awesome in every way. Thank you for bringing us understanding and wisdom tonight to these things. Thank you, Lord, that you're the giver of every good gift and we receive them in full. In Jesus' name and amen. Well, one way that we love God in this house is we deliberately take the time to do love actions to each other, all right? So I encourage you to love on each other as you go. There's time of fellowship downstairs where you have lots of time to do that. everyone. Welcome to Church of the Word International. We're so glad that you're here tonight. You're so special, special to the Lord and special to each and every one of us. So thanks for coming. I'd like to encourage you in the Word of God tonight. Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. These things I speak unto you, that in me you will have peace. Peace that passes all understanding. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, the Lord says. So rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. We have so much to rejoice in. Forget those things that lay behind you, but press and reach forward toward the mark of the high calling in God. He is a high calling in God. Why? Because our citizenship is in heaven. It's not here. We're just camping out. Glory to God. And we're eagerly waiting for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So beloved, Stand fast in the Lord and the power of his might because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen. Let's stand up together. Thank the Lord for his promises that are yes and amen and true. And let's praise him and give him us, the Father and Jesus, a sweet aroma of a thankful, grateful heart in our praise and worship. Amen. Praise the night, hallelujah. hallelujah.
to your father to obedience your faithfulness made a way for all of us to be sons and daughters of God your father and our father how much we have to celebrate and be thankful for Jesus you are our Lord our Savior and our soon coming King and we rejoice and we thank you and give you praise and glory well, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad to be here tonight. And I'm so glad you're here tonight so we can worship and be grateful together. Amen. Well, good evening, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. How about you? Are you glad you're here? Well, we just want to give you another welcome to Church of the Word International. So if this is your very first time here at Church of the Word, would you like to just raise your hand so we can acknowledge you? Anybody here for the very first time in the back? Welcome. We're glad you're with us. We trust you'll be ministered to tonight. All right. Well, we're going to return the tithe to the Lord. So if you need a cash envelope for your giving, raise your hand. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to Church of the Word International. If you're giving by credit card, you can certainly do so. Just make sure you put, out, or put in all the information, fill out all the blanks. We return the tithe to the Lord because Scripture says it belongs to Him. That's what Malachi 3 says, says it belongs to Him. And since we love God, we obey Him and we do His Word. Amen. So I just am going to encourage you out of Galatians tonight. And we're going to, we know the tithe is the Lord's and we're returning that to him. But in regards to offerings or sowing, I want to read some things to you out of Galatians. See, our motivation for giving the Lord an offering, it should always be from a heart of love. That's our why. That's our reason. But when we sow, we should expect to receive a harvest. Why do I say that? Well, because God said so. Well, the Holy Ghost through Paul in Galatians. Galatians 6, verse 7. Let's read here. Verse 7 says, do not be deceived. Okay, so if he's going to tell us don't be deceived, we know that whatever is going to be said next, people may have an opportunity to get tripped up on this. You know, you could be tricked. You could be get off on this next point. It says, God is not mocked for whatever... Everybody say whatever. whatever. Whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Whatever encompasses everything. I mean, that doesn't leave out much. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And some people, they, 
they get tripped up on this because, you know, in effort to, because we know that we give from a heart of love. You know, when we were motivated to give an offering, give the Lord an offering from love. And so an effort to not have a single, you know, isolated, selfish motive or gain, we, we want to just kind of ignore the, the reaping part, right? You know, because we, we know that we should be giving out of love and not for selfish gain. But you can't separate this. God's, the, the word says it, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And if you resist that receiving part, that harvest part, it's actually resisting or ignoring part of the character of God, you know, because he's good. And when you align yourself with his laws of increase, when you align yourself with his ways, his goodness will get over onto you. Keep reading here. Verse eight says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. See, you can sow good things and reap good things, or you can sow bad things, and guess what? You're going to reap bad things. It's in accordance to the kind of seed you're sowing. Verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So notice there is a due season. And due season usually is not as soon as we would like it to be, right? But it's key to our receiving our harvest. What's the key? Well, not getting weary of doing the good, not getting weary of the sowing, not get, getting weary of, you know, I keep, you know, because it's not just finances that we're talking about here. You take this to other areas, relationships. You know, I keep doing the right thing. I keep doing the right thing. I'm getting tired of it because it feels like I'm not getting my harvest yet. Well, in due season, if you don't stop uh, doing the good, it says um, you will reap if you don't give up. Because getting weary could lead to you giving up and stopping. And then you're going to miss out on due season, which we don't want that. So then, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So that's just our DNA. We're givers. We're sowers, sowing good, you know, but especially to those of the family of God. So I just want to encourage you tonight to don't grow weary in doing well. Don't grow weary in your sowing. And if you've got seeds in the ground, be expecting a harvest because the word says so. All right? Okay, well, let's... Take a hold of your tithe, and let's pray over it. Father, we're so grateful to you tonight that you are interested in our well-being, that you're interested in, our, in us being blessed, and we just thank you for the laws of increase that you've given to us. We thank you for the law of sowing and reaping. And Lord, I ask you to help us to know who to sow into, what to sow into, where the good ground is, where the need is, and Lord, we'll do it. We'll be sensitive to your spirit, and we will follow your leading. So I just thank you for all these tithers here, Lord. We present the tithe to you as part of our worship. And, Lord, if there's any needs in this house, I ask you to bring a speedy answer, a speedy provision, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And amen. amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give it to the Lord. All right, next Sunday, September 5th, we have the Youth and Young Adult Impact is here at the church. We have a need in the children's ministry. If you're not serving here in the church and you would like to, um, we have 
perfect place for you. We have children's ministry could use two more adult helpers. And that is one way we serve Jesus. Did you know that? By serving one another. That's how you show the love of Jesus is how do we love others and in service. So I would encourage you to step into that if you feel the Lord tugging on your heart to be of service. That's one way you can help the, the children's ministry. Um, Sign-up sheets downstairs for the home groups. That's going to be starting the week of September 12th. We're going to be going through our foundations class sessions or series. So you can look at all the different evenings of the week and be a part of that. Sign-up is downstairs. And tomorrow we have our, now I got it, it's Lou Al. Because John told me how to figure this out. He says, you go Lou, you say Lou, then you pinch yourself and say, Al, Lou Al. <laughs> if you weren't here last week, well, you don't know. I just, I need, maybe I need English class. I don't know. That's tomorrow night at Roz Ayers' house. And two, bring two dishes. They're asking that you drop your things off and then park over at the worship center. Also, it says you must wear something Hawaiian. We may be in trouble. So I, I, I don't know if you've got something Hawaiian to wear or not, but maybe we're supposed to do dishes if you don't show up with Hawaiian things. I, I'm not sure what the consequence will be, but it says you're supposed to wear something Hawaiian. Okay. All right. Well, we are... What's that? We do. There's a lot going on here in our church, and we really enjoy each other's company. If you're here um, any length of time, it's family here. So, all right, well, let's turn our attention to your pastor, and I'm sure that the Lord has something to minister to your heart tonight through him. I am grateful to be part of a body that knows how to have fun, knows what the joy of the Lord is, knows what a warm smile, a warm hug, and, um, you know, church life is about so much more than just coming together once a week, isn't it? But church life is about you doing life with your church family, all right? So I want to encourage you that um, be a part of our home groups, all right? Sign up, um, even if you're planning on attending, and, and maybe you're even planning on going back to the home group that you've been going to, sign up again. That way we know what to plan on and if we have enough, have enough or if we need to add to it. And then also you can see at the sign-up table, you'll be able to see the different uh, slots and times, the ones in the morning even. So we have one home group that's in the morning. We have several that are in the evening and on different nights of the week. So you can look at that. We have a, uh, a new group as well this time. So uh, go down to the table and you can see who the leaders are and everything down there at the sign-up table. You know, at our home group, I look forward to our home group as much as, as I do our weekend service. Um, we have such a good time. We encounter the Lord. We pray together. We study the Word together. We talk about everyday life things and, and you know, air out our frustrations about society and whatever's going on, right? But it's the rubber meets the road type of conversations that we're having in those home groups. And so I just encourage you to be a part of that. You know, everyone that's come through our home group, I, I am, um, you know, I feel like our relationship personally has been strengthened because we've been spending time in each other's face. And so as a church, let's remember that uh, there is no church without the gathering together. You know, church is not something 
Um, it's not a building we meet at. It's the gathering of people. Church means assembly. And that's why it's important that we stay the church by assembling, whether it's here or in our homes or in a field or on the street, as long as we are continuing to gather together. We are going to take the missions offering the final um, weekend of every month. We have what we call as our Mission Saturday. And we gather funds up that you guys have, have um, made faith promises about and sending them all around the world. So if you're here new with us or you're not familiar with this, um, you can make out your check or your credit card. Just make it out to CWI. But 100% of it, what you designate it for, it will go to that. So if, even if it's a mission that I've never heard of before, we will pass all of the funds through to them. You don't have to talk to us before you do it. What I would ask you to do, though, is write out a separate check or a separate transaction for every place you're sending it to. You make uh, the bookkeeper's life really difficult when you start combining amounts all on one check. And so uh, you'll just make, you'll make uh, Jen will thank you. Um, she's the bookkeeper. And she'll thank you if you'll just separate the amounts out rather than putting them on, on one. We recently had our annual, annual um, meeting where we went over all of the things on the missions and things that have been accomplished and where we're putting our faith going forward. And we're believing God that together, combined together, we're going to do 249,000 plus into the mission field in this coming year. And so um, just continue to look to the Lord to be your supplier to accomplish those goals. Don't look to the arm of the flesh because, you know, what we do in the arm of the flesh, we have to continue doing in the flesh to have that success. Whereas if you'll look to the Lord for your success, He might direct you to do one thing one time and another thing another time, and it's still success, right? And um, so I encourage you to do that. So take a hold of the amount, um, and we're going to pray over it in a minute or a while. If you need an envelope, let's do it that way. I should do the right thing first. Raise your hand. They'll bring an envelope to you. And um, while they're doing that, I would like to invite up some of those from our uh, Ghana team that had been over. They're going to share a little bit about their time. They recently returned from Ghana. So those of you that uh, are planning on sharing about that, come up. And then also, um, Eric, you come stand up here too. Welcome home. Eric has just returned and uh, spending time with So he's going to also share with us about his time there and and. We can have an update, so to speak, all the way around. All right, Janelle, we're going to start with you since you were the most eager to get up here. Yes, definitely. Well, hi, I'm Janelle, um, and I joined Troy and Katie and Anastasia, um, and we went to Ghana. Um, it was a really good trip. Um, one of my highlights, um, something that yeah stuck out to me was we did evangelism on Wednesday, um, and so we got to go into a village and just, um, yeah, share the gospel with people. Um, I didn't actually, like, talk to people because I didn't know the language, but um, the people that I was with, um, they shared the gospel, and it was really a really cool time. Um, and actually, two young boys accepted Jesus, and so I got to, we got to all pray for them, and, yeah, it was a really, really good time, um, and it was fun to see um, how, yeah, God was moving there. 
I also went to Ghana. <laughs> um, I, one of the things that stuck out to me most, you know, whether it was when Troy and I went up north to Garu, or whether we were in the villages in Aswam or Pokram, the people are needy and they're hungry and they want to know what we what we know and they want us to share with them, you know, about Jesus. They're very open, um, even if they are Muslim, they're very open to hear, you know, what we know and what we have to share about Jesus with them. Um, they're eager for you to pray for them. Um, it's, it was a great experience. Um, one thing that definitely stuck with me, um, we were in one of the villages, um, I forget which one, but there was a little boy who was playing. Um, it was when you, me and Troy were eating lunch, and he had pants, but they had holes all in them. And um, Troy talked to him for a little bit, and then I thought, this kid needs pants. we got to get this kid pants. So time had you know, passed a little bit and we needed water. So I said to Troy, can we go get water? And we walked, when we walked into the one hut, I looked up and there's pants hanging. So I said to Troy, can we get Patrick and get him pants? And he said, yes. So when we found Patrick again, Patrick brought his brother who also needed pants. So we got to buy a boat. Well, you bought pants and I bought pants. We got them pants and it was, it was a good experience. It was a fantastic trip. All right, uh, let's hold on a minute before we pass the mic on. So would the two of you, um, would you recommend that people sign up for next year's trip to go? Yes. Yes. So on a scale of 1 to 10, especially I'm going to ask this to you, Janelle, because um, you've, you've done some traveling and been places. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most difficult and 1 being really easy, you know the language, first world experience, um, how would you rate a trip to Ghana? Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know. Probably like five. Okay. A good middle. A, a good middle, <laughs> middle safe number yeah. there. Well, here's the thing. You know, we are called to take the gospel to the ones. That's the next door because it's easy, right? We're also called to take the gospel to the tens and every number in between. And so I am really grateful that I'm surrounded by young men and women and families and people in this body that really believe in what we preach, right? That we are equipped, we are called to go to the uttermost part of the world. And from my perspective, I think Ghana is one of the uttermost parts because I've been at a neighboring country, Liberia, and I know what, what life and culture is like there. And um, it's certainly not as easy as going next door here, right? So thank you, thank you to the two of you for going. All right, Eric, let, yeah, go ahead. And you can be seated if, if you'd like. Eric, come tell us about um, your time. How long were you over there? Yeah, so I got to spend uh, about six weeks. And um, it was super, super good. got to spend the time with in their ministry. Um, for most of the time, I was teaching uh, basic English uh, two days a week. And then it ended up being four days a week. So I found out the Lord has a very interesting sense of humor. Uh, here I am, a country boy teaching English, so sense of humor for sure. Um, but the amazing thing was the last about week that I was there, the, the kids really started opening up. They started asking for prayer for certain things. Um, and the way the rules are set up, we're not supposed to share the gospel on the, the compound itself. Um, it's just the way things work right there for now. Uh, Stephen said, if you feel the Holy Spirit, you know, leading you to, to share something in the gospel line, absolutely, you're, you know, you're allowed to from his standpoint. 
Um, we just have to use wisdom on how much we share. We can share anything we want to outside of the um, compound itself. Um, so taking, you know, kids out to, to eat somewhere or something like that, we can share anything. Um, so what if they ask you? Does that change anything? If they ask, like they want ask a question? Yeah, then, then Stephen said, feel free to, to share, okay. you know, the gospel just, just with wisdom, using yeah. wisdom. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they started asking for prayer for certain things. Um, simple things, you know, like headaches and um, a backache, you know, knees, stuff like that. So we were getting to pray for them and seeing healing, and it was, it was really, really beautiful. Uh, there was some, you could really, really tell the Lord was touching some um, really deeply. And then I also got to share, I, I felt the leading to go ahead and share that, you know, how the Lord can share, or he can heal our, our outside parts, you know, a knee, uh, an elbow, a back, whatever, but he can also heal the inside as well, like depression. That's a big thing in the camps, depression, um, you know, sadness, all that kind of stuff. So I got to share a little bit with that. Um, and then as an update they're doing, uh, they've been really branching out in some other areas. Uh, there's, there's one orphanage that they'd like to start working uh, in a lot more uh, than they have been. Um, they're waiting for paperwork to come back. It'll be about, about a month. When paperwork comes back, they'll be able to work in the orphanage and uh, at least two other camps. Um, and the amazing thing is they're doing all this by faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I was there. I got to live in their house and everything and see how they operate, and it's all on faith. It's so amazing. Um, so you guys, as a church here, have been a big, big part of allowing them to step out and do these things. Um, That's you know. right. And they just um, took a short trip to branch out and did some work over there too, right? Yes, yes. That's where the orphanage is. <clears throat> okay. Um, we did actually get to, to go to the orphanage for a little bit. Uh, super amazing. Um, all those children that were there in that particular orphanage were uh, products of, of ISIS, basically. The fathers were, were ISIS. Um, and then the mothers, they've left the children there because they're not allowed to take the kids back into whatever country they go to. Um, so they're there. A lot of them, yeah, don't, don't have anybody, you know, that wants them. Um, but it was just, it was super good to get to go there and just share love with them. And, and yeah, it was just a beautiful time. So you went on that trip? Yes, it was me and, and uh, three others. Okay. Yeah. John, you were right. We need to get another flag up on the wall. He was telling me the other day, he said, um, you know, I think, uh, I think we're going to have to be putting more flags up shortly. I thought to myself, well, I don't know of any other place we're going that we haven't been to already. Here's one of them, I guess. <laughs> yes. Awesome. All right, anything else you'd like to share? Um, other than the harvest is ripe over there. I mean, there, there was one guy that came in one last week before uh, I left, and he's a 25-year-old uh, young man, um, really on fire for the Lord. He's definitely an evangelist. He has an evangelist spirit. Um, and we, we were just talking about the things we're seeing, and he's like, man, it'd just be awesome to, you know, like rent a, a soccer field or something and just, like, preach the gospel. Because, I mean, people are so, so ready over there. I mean, in the camps, there's a lot of hopelessness, a lot of, um, yeah, just depression and stuff. And when we get to share, you know, how that can all be lifted, you know, you can really see hope in their eyes start to build. Um, I guess a few, a few prayer requests for them as well. Um, of course, for wisdom, you know, in knowing where to, to 
step out into, you know, just wisdom from the Lord, um, ears to hear and everything. Um, also that they would have the right people come to them and they could find the right people to work in these, um, in the, in the compounds that they have, um, you know, ones that know the language and everything, the, the right people. I mean, a lot of people were asking us, you know, because we're seeing right now what's happening in, in Afghanistan. And so a lot of people would be like, so what happens if the U.S. pulls out of here? You know, so there was a lot of uneasiness and stuff like that. Um, so that's a prayer request as well. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. And, and welcome home. All right, so those are two of the places that you can uh, invest into the kingdom of God. Of course, there's many, many other places. So wherever the Lord has put it on your heart, and we're going to continue to bring people in, and, and I think the end of uh, October, um, we need to work on the dates yet, but we're going to be bringing uh, Nate and Lindsay. Lindsay is, is um, Debbie's daughter, youngest daughter. And they're going to be um, going out on the mission field, and so they're going to come in and share a little bit about what they're doing, and you'll have opportunity to uh, be investing there as well. So we are, we are a mission-sending church. If you haven't figured that out yet, now you know. All right? So take a hold of your offering to the Lord, and let's pray over it. Father, I thank you that you are bountiful in every way and that you're the God of superabundance. So we call these finances blessed and expanding in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that every place they're being sent to, that your anointing would be strong, that you would open up eyes and ears to hear truth, that you would give the workers in those places the boldness that they need to declare your word in spirit and in truth. I thank you for it. Father, I thank you too that you would bless the giver, bless the sower, cause increase to come into them and, and expand them to be able to do more. I thank you for it in Jesus' name and amen. The ushers can wait on the people and the people will be prospered by the Lord. All right, one more um, announcement type thing and then we will go on further with some other things. Is So Armada Commission will be, it's the Bible school, it will be starting, it's here in the building on September 7th, and it will run Tuesday through Friday of every week, and right now we have four students, and um, so uh, what it's go- we start in the morning and then we have lunch together, and then, then the afternoon they have off. And so what we've done is we've got a few people together that are going to providing, be providing lunch um, each day, like Someone's taken, you know, a Tuesday, someone's taken a Wednesday and so forth. But we still have Thursday available. So if you're interested in serving that way, um, talk to Debbie and she will uh, tell you the details and the particulars on it. We're not looking for a huge expensive steak and gourmet meal, um, but something that's easy and hot is the request, I believe.